0: So, if you guys were uh, with me yesterday on the radio, we were uh, reading in Genesis a few chapters. Uh, Today we're going to jump over to Job, interestingly enough. And I thought uh, before we get into Job, I will try and get back into our our normal routine of going through what happened on this day in history and of course, the infamous bad dad jokes. So this day on hist- in history, this is January the 5th, 2022, I'm still getting used to saying that. Um, Sonny Bono was killed in a skiing accident. Let me see, oh, by the way, I think I better unplug my iPad in case it's buzzing. I am um, killed in a, in a skiing accident in uh, South Lake Tahoe, California, ran into a tree. I know that sounds bizarre, but I'm a skier. I've skied most, I mean, until my adult life, skied all through my, when I was a kid, and teenager, early 20s. And I can tell you, <laughs> that's a reality. I used to downhill ski. I'm not downhill, um, giant slalom. I used to race um, for a while and going at extreme speeds. Now, I don't know how fast he was going, but um, I've come very close to hitting trees at extreme speeds, and I can imagine the damage it would do you. I have hit trees at low speed. Thankfully, low low enough speed, it didn't do my, doing me any damage. But moving on, the first woman governor, January 5th, 1925. Now, Tyler Rose, Wyoming takes office, 1925. She won a special election after her husband, the previous governor of the office, had died. Oh, well, good for her. Oh, this is a great one. Automaker Henry Ford announces an unprecedented $5 a day minimum wage for his employee, doubling the current wage of the assembly line workers. $5 in 1914 adjusted for inflation was about 140 in today's money. The pay attracted thousands of hopeful employees across the country. The crowds were so large that riots broke out and the crowd had to be dispersed with fire hoses. The higher pay was needed to help combat the higher worker turnover due to the monotony of working on the automotive assembly line. He had more than 50,000 workers to support a workforce of only 14,000. Oh, he had to hire 50,000 to support a workforce of 14,000. And the new workers are expensive to train, so that's why he doubled the pay, interesting. Um, January 5th, 1918, the James Monroe set sail for main voyage of New York to England and arrived February 2nd. It was part of the famous Black Bell Line that established a transatlantic voyage on a fixed schedule. This is in 1818. Until then, ships had arrived when the winds and the weather permitted departed upon being loaded and would add to remove stops along the way. So this was the first time a ship set a schedule to keep a schedule. Okay, let's look over at um, our infamous bad jokes. Why can't a leopard hide? Because he's always spotted. Mm-hmm. What do you call an illegally parked frog? Toad. Okay, with that out of the way, let's look over into our reading for today, the book of Job. And just to give you um, a little heads up, I guess, the book of Job, why, is it, why are we reading it today? Well, Job is thought to be perhaps the first book written even before Genesis with Moses. Chronologically, the storyline follows after Abraham. We just started looking into the life of Abraham, at least mentioned in the genealogy yesterday. And now we jump ahead several years, and we're on into probably the time of maybe uh, Jacob and Esau. It would seem somewhere in there. They don't know when Job was written. They don't even know who the author was. And there's all kinds of theories about when job was written some people it was written way back around abraham isaac and jacob others say no it was written much much later around after solomon so you've got all these wild theories i tend to go with the early one obviously the the person doing the chronological setup believes it's an early writing too um so the storyline is in that era so we're when you're in the bible we have some pretty big jumps but we saw yesterday how You had all the lists of the people and their sons that lived hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So that brought us way up after the flood to the time of Abraham now. So now we're in that time, and this kind of fits the storyline somewhere in the of um, Isaac Jacob, Esau, in in, in those areas, because some of these people seem to be related. Some of these people are gonna talk about his, Job's friends are gonna be related to those families. So, with that, let's pray and start in the book of Job. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for getting the camera back on and, and uh, getting things working, God. And Just pray the sound keeps, uh, holds fast and does not diminish like it's been doing lately. So, God, oh, and I better get my, you know what, my microphone's not even plugged in. And God, just guide us and bless us in Jesus' name. Okay, I'm going to plug the microphone in. It wasn't plugged in, I'm sorry. If the sound gets worse, I'm sure Renee will let me know. Chapter 1 of the Book of Job There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned, and cursed God in their hearts. And Job, thus Job did continually. Now thus, there, were, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From the ro- roaming about on the earth and walking on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and his house, and all that he has on every side? Have you blessed the work of his hands and his possessions, and have increased the land? Put forth your hand now, and touch all that he has, he will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Verse 13. Now on the day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest son's brother's house, a messenger came to Job who said, and said, The oxen were ploughing and the donkeys behind them. And the Sabians attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and also have escaped, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, another also came and said, A fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants by the edge of the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. While I was still speaking another came and said your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their older, oldest brother's house. Behold a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people and they died and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Chapter 2. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered, The Lord said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil, and he still holds fast to his in- uh, still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him, to ruin him without cause. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all the man and all the man has all that a man has he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he's is in your power, only spare his life. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore, sore boils from the, um, the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a pot shirt to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast, your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks, as the foolish woman speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all his adversity that had come upon that had come upon him, they each one of them from his own place: Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shunite, and Zophar the Nemanite. They came at appointed time together. To sympathize with him and confront him. When they lifted up their eyes at a distance and did not recognize, they raised recognized him, they raised their voice and wept. Each one of them tore his robe, and they threw dust over their heads towards the sky. Then they sat down on the ground for seven days and nights, with no one speaking a word to him, for they saw his pain was very great. Job's lament. Verse, chapter 3, verse 1. Now Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, Let the day perish on which I was born, and the night which said a boy is conceived. May that day be darkness. Let not God above care for it, nor light shine on it. Let darkness and black gloom claim it. Let a cloud settle on it let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for the light, let darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the day of the year. Let not come. Let it not come into the number of months. <coughs> behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful shout enter it. Let those curse it who curse the day, who are prepared to rouse Leviathan. Let the stars and the twilight be darkened. Let it wait for light, but have none. Let it not see the breaking dawn, because it did not shut the opening of my mother's womb, nor hide trouble from my eyes. Why did I not die at birth, come forth from the womb, and expire? Why did, I, why did the knees receive me, and why the breasts that I could suck, For now I would have lain down and been quiet. I would have slept then. I would have been at rest with kings and with counselors of the earth who rebuilt ruins for themselves or with princes who had gold who were filling their houses with silver or like a miscarriage which is discarded I would not be as infants that never saw light. There the wicked cease from raging, and there the weary are at rest. The prisoners are at ease together. They do not hear the voice of the taskmaster, mas- task the small and the greater there, the slave and the free from his master. The slave is free from his master. Why is light given to him who suffers, and life to a bitter soul who long for death, but there is none? Who dig for it more than treasure? treasures, who rejoice greatly and exult when they find the grave? Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden, to whom God has hedged in? For my groaning comes at the sight of my food, and my cries pour out like water. For what I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befall, befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I am not at rest, but turmoil comes. Chapter 4 Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered, If one ventures a word with you, will he become impatient? But who can refrain, refrain from speaking? Behold, you have admonished, admonished many, and you have strengthened weak hands. Your words have helped the tottering to stand. You have strengthened feeble knees. But now what has come upon you? And you are impatient. It touches you, and you are dismayed. Is not your fear of God your confidence, and the integrity of your ways your hope? Remember now whoever perished being innocent. Aware were the upright destroyed. According to what I have seen, those who plow iniquity and those who sow trouble harvest it. By the breath of God they perish, and by the blast of his anger, they become they come to an end. The roaring of the lion and the voice of a fierce lion, the teeth of the young lion are broken. The lion perishes for lack of prey. And the whelp the whelps of the lioness are scattered. Now a word has brought to me a word is brought to me stealthily, and my ear received a whisper of it, amid disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night, when the deep sleep falls on me, dread came upon me. And trembling, I made all my bones shake. Then a spirit passed by my face. The hair of my flesh bristled up. It, st- uh, it stood still, but I did not discern its appearance. And from a form was barred before my eyes. Then there was silence. Then I heard a voice Can mankind be just before God? Can a man be pure before his maker? He puts no trust even in his servants. And against his angels he charges error. How much more those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundations, foundation is in the dust, who are cursed before a moth. Between morning and evening there are broken, they are broken in pieces, unobserved, they perish forever. Is not their tent cord plucked up with them? They die yet without wisdom." Job, the book of Job, has been considered one of the greatest literary treasures of wisdom and the problem of pain and suffering in the world ever written. There's been all kinds of men that have written, said this, this book is unparalleled in, in what it does. It addresses the problem of why is there human suffering? Why are we alive and when we, and we're placed on this earth, but wh- why do we see suffering why do we go through suffering? course, on a deeper, um, different level, too, it, it addresses the whole issue of, of a person's faith going through that suffering in the world. Do we walk by faith or do we work, walk by circumstances? Job was this incredible wealthy guy, like a, a, his own king, in, in a sense. He was a, a ruler over many because of his wealth and his riches, yet he was righteous. And this is this is really rare because, remember, this is after the Tower of Babel. This is after every man was coming together under Nimrod, starting a rebellion and a, you know, a false religion. And they're all languages are now separated and people go their own way. But by and large, there's a total um, loss or rejection uh, of, of the God of the flood. The God who said without me, if you choose to turn away from me, there will be great consequences. And that um, they didn't learn from the flood. And so most of the world was seeking, following after the fallen ones that fell with Satan. And they're into false worship. And of course, (laughs) Satan didn't like that. Satan wanted to rule the world. And so here's this one righteous guy like Noah. He's like a, uh, what would you call it? He's like the desert form of Noah. Noah was the one righteous man that God took into the flood, you know. And But amongst the people of the world, and he's over in um, near Arabia, probably on the east side of the Jordan, and somewhere in that area, modern day Jordan, somewhere in there. Some people think down around Haran. He's living there, and the Whole cultures around them have developed the people have spread out there's different languages, different people the Sabians uh, I think it's it's here are um, attacking and if I read right I think they were related to Esau perhaps some people think they're related to Esau which kind of makes sense and he is probably more directly related to the line of Abraham I, I don't remember his lineage himself but there you have this, this ongoing conflict of these, because people have been spread out and they have different languages and now they're following after these fallen gods, creating their own gods. They're all, they're all fighting now. No more unity, no more tower, um, being able to do whatever they want to. Now there's division and there's fighting. Yet in this, there's this one man who acts a lot like Noah, who says, I trust God no matter what and he was a good righteous man and god was blessing him tremendously and satan doesn't like it he comes up before god now how satan has access to god is a phenomenal study on itself and uh we went into this in a few of our s- different studies going into the book of revelation different things but here um suffice it to say he had some access to god and was able to come before him and god Simply says, "Look, I have somebody who follows me, who walks by faith and not by circumstances. So, okay, just to prove it to you, go ahead," and he allows him to test Job. And we see the one amazing thing is when he loses his family and everything that happens, he doesn't fall down and cry, and complain. He falls down and worships. Yeah, this. Famous phenomenal saying, naked I came to this world, naked shall I return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, God, you're the giver. I'm the receiver. And you took it all away. Who am I to complain about it? Who am I to do anything about it? You have life in your hands. And he he did this amazing thing, which, of course, infuriated Satan more. And now he wants to touch his health. And uh, he does. God allows him to touch his health. And, uh, of course, everybody around him says, well, you must, here's this whole issue of that. Well, if you're suffering like this, it must be because you sinned. And this was one of the big issues that his first friend brought to him. And his first friend I said, I've observed, yeah. And the fact that his friend observed, or acknowledged that God was a God who had control over the earth, which is a good thing. There were people that still acknowledged Yahweh, they, he seems to be referring to Yahweh. Um, that itself was good, but he said he it, it attributes all this thing, all this to Job's suffering. Yet he can't point to a single sin that Job was involved in. He just assumes it has to be that way. And this this followed all the way down to Jesus' time, with the blind man. You know, and people say, "Well, he's blind. If he's blind, it's because he sinned." And you know, they want to know from Jesus who sinned: this man or his parents. Because he's blind. Obviously it's a result of sin, and Jesus says no. He doesn't answer the question directly, but he says so you might know the Son of God before you here, I'm going to heal him. But the implication was no, he's not blind because he sinned, he's blind because he lives in a fallen world with disease and suffering. So we have this, this the, first, the first friend is bringing up this question, or the bringing up this, this hypothesis, this position. That um suffering has to be connected to sin, your sin, and this still goes down today. people still think there are consequences for sin absolutely there can be consequences and you can suffer because of your sin, but it's not a given that everything you suffer is because you're in sin. Believers suffer all the time over different things, especially in their bodies doesn't mean they sinned you know and, and this is job's a good proof of this. That he was suffering greatly with horrible... Some people, it was leprosy. Some people, it was elephantitis. He had all these issues with his boils. And he got depressed. And this is also hopeful... For us, it's great hope because when we get sick, you get cancer, you get COVID, you get stuck in your bed for weeks and you can't get out. And you're a believer and you have a strong faith. It's it's almost a given you're going to get bummed out. And it's not always... The case that you're going to stay joyful and happy in the Lord and maintain your faith. Job cursed that he was born because it affected his body with so, so much pain that he couldn't see straight. And yet we see in this there's hope. You can, um, you can fall into these times, but it doesn't mean that you've lost your faith or you've dis- disowned God. It means you're dealing with a lot of pain, and so. It's why we pray for everybody. We all pray together every day for anybody going through uh, uh, difficult times, cancer treatments or, or, or COVID or different sicknesses, because it can get you really down and get your focus off the Lord. And then, worse, the enemy wants to throw in people at you like you did his friend, wants to come in and use people to attack you even more when you're down. You know, our famous story ran I had a really good friend of ours dying of cancer in the hospital, and she used to have Christians come in and tell her, hey, you know, you're only dying because you don't have enough faith. If you had enough faith, you could get up out of this bed and walk out of here. Where did that come from? This woman had a, a life and a faith like Job. She loved the Lord, but yet the enemy always wants to beat you once you're down, so if you, as long as you know you you're, you're saved, you, you've you've given your life to the Lord, and you're not in open sin, and you're trying your best to serve Him, when you get those illnesses, it's not your fault. It's not. You're in. You're not in sin. The enemy will always somehow try and sneak that in. You're only suffering because of what you've done, and it's good to, re, to, <laughs> review your life. There were a few people in the early Testament, early New Testament times that did die because they were rebelling against God. They were in open sin. There were occasions where that happened, but it's very, very, very rare. And I'm sure the people knew they were in sin. It wasn't like, oh, (laughs) sin of omission. I didn't know I did that. It was open sin. So um, keep that in mind. Job, fascinating book. Going to John chapter 1. We're going to get our first New Testament book for the year. about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom it was said, He who comes after me was higher than rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. And the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth was realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. And what do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him and said to him, Why then are you baptizing, if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained on him. I did not recognize him, but... He who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one whom baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen him and have testified that this is the Son of God. Verse 35. Again the next day John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, And they followed Jesus, and Jesus turned and saw them following, and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, Are you Simon, the son of John? And you shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, he purposed to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israel indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip came to you, when you were under the fig tree, fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that you saw that I saw you under a fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God descending and descending on the Son of Man. Where do you begin with the book of John? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The beginning of the book of John, the New Testament, reflects directly Genesis and the book in the Old Testament. That's why it's the right place to begin. Chronologically, actually, chronologically it was written after the other Gospels. Storyline, it's it's all before, in a sense, or it it is preeminent. But... um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke were all written before John. John was the last of the Gospels to be written, yet it's the most focused on God's deity. And it skips the birth. It skips the Magi. It skips, it skips Mary. It skips all of that. It goes right into Jesus as deity all through the book. And he has come from heaven as the Word of God, the Logos. In Spanish, he's the verb. <laughs> he's the living verb. He's um, He comes... As the living, active Word um, of God, and He dwelt among us. He tabernacled. The word is, dwelt. He tabernacled. He placed His tent here on the earth. Why? Well, in one sense connected to Job, He's answering the question Job had. You know, why are we here? Why is there so much suffering? What's going on in the world? Um, I. I, I I try and be righteous, but yet all these bad things happen around me. Jesus comes then to give us the ultimate understanding of our place in the world. It is to worship God, but in a sense, He's coming to change it from the law to the the, the law to grace to grace and truth. He's bringing into the world the grace and truth, the knowledge of what what we were created for, fellowship with God. But now it's going to come, God, Jesus is going to come and pay the price. All of the suffering that man had been going through, through the, because of the fall of man, he's coming willing to pay the price and suffer greater than anyone's ever suffered. So that man can be set free from the conditions of the fallen world. And of course, we get an understanding through Job and through Jesus, that all this was being brought to to bear on all of these things through the suffering of mankind, so that man would have a decision. Is he going to walk by faith or is he going to walk by conditions, by circumstances? Like Job, finally at the book of Job, we'll come back to that, that Job will still decided to follow God, even though he was in a fallen world, a suffering world. Jesus is going to bring this whole thing up too, that even though you're suffering, you go through these difficult times, that there's freedom and that there's an end game, there's a goal, that's to be with God. in, in in paradise forever, but we must choose to walk by faith, and our faith now is going to be centered. Jesus is going to show them centered on Him, believing in Him. He had told Nathaniel, "You believe in Me just because you, I, you know, you saw I saw you under victory," and it was interesting right away. Nathaniel and and even Philip and these guys are saying, "Hey, this is the Messiah," and Nathaniel calls Him the Son of God. Why didn't they continue and maintain that? I mean, if he was really the Son of God, they must have meant it like the Son of God in, in, in genealogical uh, in, uh, in respect. Because if he was, if they meant it as the true Son of God, the Messiah comes from heaven, you, you would have thought they would have ag- understood from the very beginning that he was divinity. They didn't really seem to get that until his resurrection. They didn't fully understand that. But in the beginning, they were getting glimpses. and In the beginning, I think they were getting prophetic knowledge just being given to them. I wish they um, understood later. Now going over to Spurgeon, Charles Hyden Spurgeon. We were going to read Isaiah 41.10. I will strengthen thee. A wonderful guarantee is the title. The verse, I will strengthen thee, out of Isaiah 41.10. When called to serve or to suffer, we take stock in our strength, and we find it to be less than we thought and less than we need. But let not our heart sink within us while we have such a word as this to fall back upon. For For it guarantees us all that we can possibly need. God has strength omnipotent. That strength He can communicate to us. And His promise is that He will do so. He will be the food for our souls and the health for our hearts. And thus He will give us strength. There is no telling how much power God can put into a man when the divine strength comes Human weakness is no more a hindrance. Do we not remember seasons of labor and trial in which we received such special strength that we wondered at ourselves? In the midst of danger we were calm, under the bereavement we were resigned. In slander we were self-contained, and in sickness we were patient. The fact that God gives unexpected strength when unusual trials comes upon us. We rise out of a, out of feeble selves. Cowards play the man. Foolish ones have wisdom given them. And the silent receive the selfsame hour what they shall speak. My own weakness makes me shrink, but God's promises makes me brave. Lord, strengthen me according to thy word. I like that. That's very good and very appropriate when reading with Job. That Job certainly gets to that point where he does pray before God, and and he does have a turnaround. We're going to see this long procession of Job as he sinks lower and lower for a while into his depression and under not understanding why he was even born. But he never totally disowns God. See, he's crying out to God. He's rather than denying Him, and and um, mad at God and and. Turning away from him totally, he turns towards him, in his anguish, and just asks him, "Why am I even here? Why am I born?" So he's still crying out, still acknowledging the reality of God, and then God's going to bring come in and bring a strength to him, especially initially. You know, when he when he says, "I've lost everything. I was naked when I came in. I'm naked when I'm going to leave. I, I'm going to bless God." That is a person that is being strengthened by the Holy Spirit at that at that moment, given that understanding which is where I hope we all are at the end of this year. I hope we can all maintain that. And uh, I think we can. I think God will do that with us. I think we're being built up now to be do that, If we stay focused in, on, in the Word. Uh, that living Word is going to then guide us and direct us, and hey, we will do all things according to His Word. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for this morning and and giving us this time together and keeping the the sound working. Um, That's a blessing, Father. We thank you for that. And ask that you would keep building us up in faith. Thank you for your protection upon our families. Thank you for your guidance. Giving us time together with family, uh, biological or spiritual family, during this Christmas time, we would ask God that you would continue to allow us these wonderful times strengthen relationships, strengthen bonds, especially amongst believers right now, so that we cannot allow the enemy to separate and divide. God is precious your family. We want to keep, keep that in focus and keep your church, your body strong not neglecting the fellowshipping one, one with another and we want to lift up our brothers and sisters that can't meet with us because of health reasons, God. We understand that. And may you measure to them a special grace, special blessing. Bring within their own homes um, your whatever family members, people that can visit them, people that can go over there, bless them, God, tremendously, or help them have access to the fellowship on, in, on the online and God just continued to guard us in these days, in the United States and Canada, and Australia, um, Austria, all kinds of places that are coming under heavy, heavy restrictions. We ask that you would go before the leaders, the Christian church, the believers, to go before the governors and the officials to petition for the right to assemble under your call for us to be a part of your church on this planet and help the governors, the presidents, and the commissioners um, favorably rule for the right of churches to meet together wherever they are, by their own standards, by their own numbers, and not that of the governments. We pray for that, God. We also pray for the strength for Israel to keep strong, in these days, we, we realize there's these incredible looming wars right now as the United States is in having talks with Russia about their um, possible invasion into Ukraine and the United States threatening all-out retaliation. Uh, if that happens, God, we pay the hand of Russia. you prevent this war That war that could lead to a nuclear conflict, the word China. Taiwan, that could lead to a nuclear conflict, conflict. God, we ask that you would stay these superpowers from doing anything that would bring upon this world this devastation that would change everything. We long to see the people saved in the Middle East. We long to see them set free. Thank you for the amazing thing you're doing in the Arab world, in Iran, and the millions, it seems, of people that are coming to know you by... By dreams and visions and, and um, um, missionaries in just amazing ways. Thank you that it's one of the, its the largest growing church. And we thank you for the work, you have, Father. And may you continue and speed it up to see these people reached so that the world is transformed by your love. And we can see that the, the Muslim world is, is being transformed and coming into a knowledge of your grace, being part of the church. Thank you, Father, for the work that you're doing. Continue to heal my brothers and sisters that are dealing with specific difficulties, be they relational in their life or physical, as that you would touch and meet those needs. People that are getting used to living without the, someone they love because they've died recently or because they're, the other people they're dealing with with a um, very serious medical issue. May you strengthen them and give them the faith of Job. Give them the faith of those who met Jesus and fixed their eyes upon Him and decided to follow Him. Please, God, give us that blessing of truth and understanding of who You are in a relationship, God, and bring us into a full-blown relationship with You on a daily basis so that we understand what You do in our life. So we thank You, God, and we bless You for this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We will see you guys tomorrow, the same time, if you can't join us tonight. We'll be in service at 6.30 here in Calvary Chapel, Port Vallarta. We'd love to see you. We'll be online on Facebook and YouTube. We will be in the book of First Samuel, picking up where we left off. And I believe we're in chapter 14 tonight. So look forward to seeing you then. God bless you richly. Keep looking up.